So, um, yesterday, yeah, it was yesterday, because we had the women's breakfast yesterday. Yesterday I was, uh, forgot to get orange juice, I had to run to the store real quick, grab some orange juice uh, for the women's breakfast, and I had kind of a goofy shirt on. It had a, it's a black t-shirt, has a tie on, and it says that, uh, and the tie's like, you know, drawn in there, stenciled in, whatever it is. And it says, this is my uh, Sunday shirt. And um, the guy behind the counter where I was at, he goes, uh, he goes, oh, so that's your Sunday shirt, huh? And I said, well, I said, not really. I said, I'm just kind of, you know, joking around. He goes, so you're being facetious. And I said, um, yeah, I guess so, you know, being a little bit facetious. And he goes, okay. I said, um, I said well, you know, I'm, I'm actually like a pastor in town and I'm getting some juice for a women's breakfast happening at the church. I said, so I can kind of get away with it a, a little bit. And uh, he goes, oh, he goes, ah, oh, that's pretty interesting. He said, um, he said, you know, uh, I've been a Methodist, you know, for however many years. I forgot what he said. He said, I go to the Methodist church in town. He said, every Sunday, I'm always there. I said, wow. I said, you know, that's pretty good. And his friend was, was standing there. And uh, he goes, he goes, my friend uh, Louie over here thinks that he doesn't have to go to church. And I'm like, you know, all, all of a sudden the conversation is changing. You know, I, I'm not coming to, like, start problems. I just, you know... Trying to make small talk and say hi. And um, he's like, um, you know, my friend Lou over here, he doesn't understand that, um, you know, it's like, and he had a Yankees teacher on. He goes, you know, being uh, in the church is like being on the Yankees. He goes, you're part of a team. You can't just show up once in a while when you feel like it. And I was like, oh, he's slamming Louie right now, number one. (laughs) And and Louie is just like kind of blown away. And number two, you know, he was really onto something there. He, he was, he was right. I mean, whatever's getting taught at the church, you know, whatever's going on, at least he's grabbing and taking away that um, being part of a team and being unified is an important element and a critical part of the Christian faith. Um, super important. I can't tell you how many conversations I have had and probably how many conversations you have had with people that um, say, well, you know, I have a relationship with Jesus Christ and that's all I need and that's enough. Uh, Implying that they don't need to go to church or be part of, you know, a church body in any way, shape, or form. And man, I hear that one a lot and you might hear that one a lot too. And so we're going to talk about you know, some of that stuff today as far as, you know, what it means to uh, be unified, be, be a church. And I, and I used the term before, church with a big C. You know, like, what, what does that mean? And how important is that? And how about even denominations? You know, are they, are they biblical? Is that okay? Would Jesus be alright with that? Um, so we're going to talk about some of that stuff today. And we'll focus in a little bit on our, on our church family. You know, on our brothers and on our sisters. And man, it's such an important part. And I'll tell you what, to be totally honest with you. I mean, I grew up in the church my whole life. And since we planted this church, um, you know, almost three years ago now, I always knew church was important, you know, because I guess in my mind I had church and God, you know, synonymous. And they kind of went hand in hand. But really until we planted the church did I really, truly, honestly see at the forefront of my mind the value and the need for Christian brothers and sisters. I mean, it's like a lifeline. It's huge. It's like a lifeline. And, um, 
it's really sad a lot of times when you see Christians, brothers, sisters, maybe they move and go different places and do different, and life, t- life takes them different places. And, um, and the church is kind of like the last thing sort of on their moving list or moving agenda or like the last thing to do. And when you're, you're a Christian, it's like, oh man, you need that. Wow, do we need that community. So we're going to talk about some of that stuff this morning and we'll get into a couple of, of other things and then um, we'll close with an idea that I think that we want to keep at the forefront of our minds as we talk about church and unity and family and that kind of stuff. Um, so Ephesians chapter 4, we'll pick up in verse 1. And as we said last week, we're now getting into the part of Ephesians where Paul is going to start to talk about the things to do in the faith, like what to carry out. First three chapters was sort of background information. It was conceptual. It was, here's what the cross means. Um, here's what our riches are. And it was all background information, just absorbing. And then now, we t- make this transition into actually doing something. And um, we're going to take a look. So Ephesians 4, verse 1. It says, As a prisoner for the Lord... Then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. And that's the book we talked about last week, right? Walking worthy. That's what we talked about last week. Walking worthy. And um, that phrase stuck out in my mind this past week. I don't know if it stuck out in your mind, but it definitely did in mine just about going forth that week and trying to walk worthy. And some character traits that should happen when we're walking worthy is in verse 2. Well, what does that kind of look like if we're walking worthy? Well, one, being completely humble and gentle and patient, bearing with one another in love. So hopefully I resembled at least some of that this week. I mean, I was trying. I was trying to let the Lord do that. I don't know how successful that went, but it's conscious of it. And I said, hey, you know, these are some character traits that should be happening. And I'll tell you what, i got to confess to you. I definitely, uh, well, who knows how many sins happened this week on my end. Um, but one that sticks out in my mind that I wanted to share with you, especially because it kind of falls into what we talked about last week as far as walking worthy. Um, so I was in a Target on Friday. I think it was, yeah, on Friday. And I was picking something up. And... Um, I see this woman uh, coming over to wait on me on like the customer service area, and she's walking over, and um, and she's kind of like dragging like like her right foot like a little bit, and just like coming over there, and immediately, in my spirit and my heart, I just felt like, you know, first honestly the first thing that came to my mind was walk worthy, our thing from last week. You know, and then the next thing that came into my mind, into my heart was, man, you just got to pray for her. You know, just ask her, well, ask her first of all, if she'd like some prayer, you know, on that foot. And if she doesn't, she doesn't. But if she does, like, you know, you should pray for her right then and there. So I feel this and I sense this and I see her coming over. And the first thing that I did was I looked around to make sure nobody else was here to see this. Not good, right? So I'm looking around and I'm like, I'm already trying to figure out a way to where maybe I can be obedient, but in a way that sort of doesn't put me in the spotlight in any way, shape, or form. And so then she's walking over and uh, she asked me what item I want. And I can just, you know, I, I can just sense and feel it. And man, it, 
And as she's asking me questions, and you know, we're running through the thing, and I'm like, I'm not doing it. You know, I'm not doing it. I'm just, I'm just like finding everything else to do other than what I think that I'm supposed to be doing. And then now, a couple other girls come in line behind me, and now I'm like toast. Because now I'm like, well, no, wait, you know. But if I ask her for prayer, it might make her feel weird in front of the other people, you know. And now if we were to pray, then the other people would be there to see it. And all this justification and just crap is what it is going through my mind. And so I walked out the store with my purchase just feeling defeated and discouraged. And just, I knew I dropped the ball. It's a flat-out sin. That's what it is. It's called to be obedient. You know, it, it, it wasn't like, you know, somebody else told me what... It's just the relationship with God. You speak something to your heart and then you react and you just move in it. Regardless of circumstance or situation. And uh, I blew it. That's not walking worthy. You know what I mean? If supposedly I have this Jesus in my life and in my heart, man, that can just do anything through the power of prayer... Why so hesitant in the moment? I don't know, but I blew it. You know what I mean? So that that's not walking worthy. And I think it's important for me to share that with you because I think maybe sometimes at times people can get certain ideas or thoughts about me or about pastors, about people, and you know, far from perfect. And like, man, I knew I blew. and I just walked out of there. I'm like, Lord, I am sorry. Like, and so I start, you know, praying for her on the way out and in my car. And but that wasn't it. He called me to move in that moment. You know, it's called to move in that moment. I try and make up for it now later. So you know what I'm going to try and do? So I'm going to try and head back to that story. I'm not kidding. I'm going to go back. And I don't care who's there. You know what I mean? I'm just going to lay it down and just, you know, put it out there. Because, I mean, that's how we're called to bless the world. I mean, a lot of times you don't get a chance to just stand there and say, Well, what are your feelings on the Bible? You know, and what do you think about Jesus Christ? And I mean, they're good questions, but throughout our entire day and how we move and where we go and how we function, not a ton of time, a lot of times, for now apologetic reasoning to start happening. Many times we could just be love to somebody and they can just experience that love of God. And honestly, that leads to the best type of evangelism possible. So yeah, I wasn't walking worthy at least that day. You know, it wasn't working out well. But hopefully I can do better this week. Hopefully I can do better this week. Now here's the other part of walking worthy. That's really important. Verse 3. It says, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So unity. Everybody say unity. unity. This is a big one. This is a really big one for us in the Christian faith. Verse 4, it says, There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope, when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. As you can see, the number one comes up quite a bit. Right? Comes up quite a bit. We were saved in one 
Jesus Christ. We're supposed to be built up in one church, the church of Jesus Christ. And there was one baptism to signify that, and there should be one life that shines through that. Like, one, you know, so we are one in Christ. And so, that's the idea, the title um, of the message. And what we can do and I guess what we have done as a church a lot of times in a lot of churches a lot of places we kind of mess that up a little bit we've gotten pretty weird about things um, take baptism for example take like a baptism and I was just thinking about some things you know some churches um, won't accept a baptism of like another church so if you were to you know be at one church for a while and then maybe went and you know went to another church and They said, well, you know, if you want to be a member of now this new church that you're attending, um, you know, they have their whatever requirements, and usually baptism is in there, and they say, well, where did you come from? And they're like, you know, I came from, you know, Calvary Chapel, Naugatuck. And, uh, well, you know, we don't know them, you know, and we don't know kind of what they're about, and it might not hold weight or um, hold water or be good enough. And that's not really good. You know, it's... It's, it's one baptism. We're not baptized into a church. We're baptized into Jesus Christ. So that's the thing that is really significant that people need to know, right? We're not baptized. I'm not baptized into Calvary Chapel Naugatuck. I mean, awesome that God used Calvary Chapel Naugatuck or God used whatever church to get somebody baptized, but it's baptized into Jesus Christ. You know, that's the, that's the part that matters. Or communion, right? Sometimes people get held up on communion. And the Bible makes it really clear that people um, should not take communion. It's not a good idea. In fact, Paul says um, that if you take communion and you really don't have a relationship with God in any way and your life is not submitted to Him, that's actually going to do more harm than good. Um, going through the motions is never an important part of the Christian faith. Having your heart attached to the motions always is and always will be and always was. But some churches, as far as communion goes, you know, they say, you know, it's uh, for, uh, it's like closed communion, you know, for members only. And, you know, that's not really good either, you know. It's starting to put a lot of emphasis on like that central sort of local church when the communion table is for all believers, anybody that has taken part in the blood of Jesus Christ. Like, that's who the communion table is open for. Whether you meet whatever requirements or not is really not a huge issue. So it's, you know, it's unfortunate that we have made, um, I don't know, a lot of things in church and in the faith, like, kind of weird. And denominations, I guess, you know, fall in there. And so obviously the question on the table then is, you know, well, how... Um, biblical or legitimate are denominations. And uh, you can spend a lot of time talking about it, but in reality, I mean, the, the, the real answer is divi- denominations are bad if it causes division. Like if it's a denomination, it's so hard on their lines to where it divides the rest of the body, that's not good. That's not good at all. But if it's a denomination that believes, well, you know, we really believe and we really think that 
people should dress this particular way at church when they come into church and they should really fellowship this particular way and so we take these meanings of these verses to mean this and so we hold on to that and that's usually how denomination is formed they, they see uh, they have a passage or they have some beliefs and they draw harder lines there and I think that's okay but if those lines are so hard that they can't like reach out and work with the rest of the body or it paralyzes them from working with the rest of the body well that's no good no good at all. I mean, those barriers should be down at least to where, hey, brother, you know what I mean? Just like hug each other. We're part of the body. You know what I mean? Like, let's just do it. Um, I got a call uh, uh, last week or so, you know, to uh, uh, speak and share, yeah, another denomination's uh, event going on. I was like, man, that's just awesome. I'm so glad that they just called me. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not part of their denomination, but I'm part of the church with the big C. You know, and that was just realized. You know, and it's great. And, and then I was on the phone the other day with a fellow pastor friend of mine, and he's going to come down and, and share with us soon. And, uh, you know, he said, Jared, he said, uh, he said, I understand your position, you know, where you're at as far as being a, a church planter, you know, and working and having your family and stuff. He said, man, you just, you just call me up. And uh, anything that you need, he said, I'll be there for. And he paused for a minute, and then he goes, I'm not just talking about preaching, you know. He said, I'll come down and like clean the tables if you want, or I'll come down, you know, and wipe up the floors. Or, I'm like, man, like this guy's heart and the language that he's using, this is not common, unfortunately. And um, it was really encouraging to hear that. Like, here's a young guy who really gets, man, this is a church with a big C. Anything to just build up the body, wherever the body is, hey, let's go and let's do it. You know, it's awesome. Now, with that being said, I think it should also be noted, and we'll probably talk about, we'll talk about more later, definitely, but there is some certain responsibilities, like, to a local church. You know, to where it's not just, hey... We just sort of just go wherever, whenever, all the time, however we feel like it. So there is like some sort of, I think, responsibility that's in there um, for each person where the local church plays a real part. Um, But I think that as we talk about this stuff, we can already see. So when people say, well, you know... um, I have a relationship with, and I have a coworker. You know, I have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and so I don't need, you know, the church. And I partially get what they're saying. Uh, the church doesn't have the greatest reputation in the past couple hundred years. The Crusades didn't really do us any favors. Uh, and then, you know, the late night guys that are just, hey, you know, send me your check. I'll give you this prayer cloth, and finances will roll. You know, it's just. And it's gotten really weird, especially with the money thing. Like, that one really turns a lot of people off. So I partially get what they're saying. You know, it's because church is so messed up, and probably, you know, God would just not like the way the state of the church, I'm not going to go. You know, I'm just going to um, have my relationship with God. And so the question on the table then is, well, can you have a relationship with God, a legitimate relationship with God, and not be partaking in church regularly. Like, is, is that an option? That's a cliffhanger. So we'll get back there. We're getting back to it, I promise. But again, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father of all. It sounds narrow. And 
that's intentional because it kind of is, right? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And we've talked about many times. Well, what about... Da-da-da-da-da-da. Right? Fill in the blank. What about... Honestly, I don't really know. It's not super clear. I know that Jesus died for your sins, for my sins, for sins of everybody for all time. I also know that our loving God is unbelievable how much He loves his pe- loves people. And I don't know how He's going to work that out with people that have never heard anything, but I can guarantee you He's going to be more than fair and grace is going to do its work. I don't exactly know how it's going to happen. Now check this out. So Paul is writing this, right? He's talking about walking worthy. And when we walk worthy, we have certain character traits. Hopefully we're going to be humble, gentle, gentle, patient, bearing with one another in love. And then he's talking about unity and one Lord, one Father, all that stuff. And then, verse 7, he kind of switches it up here a little bit. It says, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. And this is like kind of a weird thing, right? So verse 9, what does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavenlies in order to fill the whole universe. It's like, what? If that's your morning, what did we just say? Ascended and descended soup. You know, like what what just happened there? And how did we just go from walking worthy to walking in unity to now we're talking about something ascending and descending And, oh yeah, there's a church word in there, grace, that was also in that area. So what was that all about? Well, we'll take a look at it real quick. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. That's an awesome sentence. I know it doesn't sound really spectacular and really phenomenal. You might not even put it on your refrigerator. But grace, grace is amazing. Grace is now, as soon as we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and we submit our lives and we say, you know what? I know that I'm a sinner. I receive what Jesus has done on the cross for me. And I'm going to try and walk in that light and walk with the direction of the Spirit that has now been deposited in me because I've received Jesus Christ. And now everything that is done. We're not going to be perfect. There's going to be tons of mistakes. Grace covers the entire thing, or the whole part of our lives, not so that we can just do whatever we want, but so that when He makes clear to our minds areas that we're falling short, or that we are not quite where they need to be, or areas that need to be confessed, um, or... Um, things where he just really speaks so hard on and, and we agree with him on his terms that other stuff doesn't count against us that's amazing what relationships do you currently have 
to where if somebody, let me even say intentionally, intentionally, they wanted to, they intentionally wronged you, and then they came to you and said, oh, yeah, you know, it's just, I'm sorry, you know. And then you don't count it against them for future behaviors. Oh. It's not fair. That's right, it's not fair. Grace is not fair. That kind of love is not fair. And it, it doesn't even really make sense. Well, how are they going to get what's coming to them? Like, how is that just? You know what I mean? Like, who's, who's, somebody's got to pay. Like, they intentionally did something wrong. The apology was weak. If that, what is the deal? The grace doesn't make sense. Like, it doesn't make sense for us. If it was true justice, we would have what's coming towards us. But we get to receive what somebody else has done. How's that fair? It's not. But I didn't make the rules and you didn't make the rules. The God who loves us make the rules because He loves us so much. They said, no, I can't have them apart. I need them with me. I created them in my image. And I created them to be my love and to work through them. I know what got jacked up, but we're making a way. Grace. It's amazing. And when that hits us hard and hits our hearts and we get a clear picture of that, it makes us a different person. It makes us different people. Then you're not trying to be somebody else. Grace is at the forefront of your mind and you're just, man reciprocating that love and that feeling that He's given to us. right? Because He loved us first. He initiated the process. It's amazing. It's amazing. And so because of that grace, there's power also with that grace. That power that would just infiltrate and affect those around us, hopefully. Because, man, that's overwhelming. So hopefully we can then have that flow like a conduit right through us. And then what Paul does is he says, listen, the power of that grace, it did this. And here's what he's talking about, this ascending, descending thing. That grace was so powerful that it actually descended into the lower earthly regions. And then it set captives free so that they could ascend to the place that was rightfully theirs. Say, what? So if you look in Matthew chapter 12, which I think we have the verse on the slide. I think I put it up there. This is Jesus talking. So just bear with me for a minute here and we'll tie it all back together. It says, Then some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. He answered, a wicked and adulterous generation asked for a sign. That doesn't mean you can't ask for signs for things. That means they were asking for signs for God to really prove who He was with like a really arrogant posture. So don't read that and say, you know, don't ask God for things. Ask Him for things. Okay? But make sure that the heart is right. So, a wicked and adulterous generation asked for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Verse 40. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So Jesus Himself is saying, Hey, listen, when I die, 
I'm actually going to be three days, three nights in the heart of the earth, just like that big fish story with Jonah. I'm going to be doing that. Why would he go down there? Why would he do that? Well, throughout the Old Testament, as you read it, and this could be part of your homework this week if you'd like, you can look up this place called Hades, and a place that's in the Old Testament and where people would die. And they would go there. And this place, Hades, had like two places. And one place is very similar to our idea of what hell eventually will be. Torment. And then on the other side, it was referred to as like Abraham's bosom, where people would be comforted where they would go. So like, for example, King David. Or like Elijah, Elisha, Daniel, and Ezekiel. Guys that, man, God owned them. And they worshipped Him. But Jesus didn't come, so He didn't take away their sins yet. So when they die, you know, where do they go? Well, where they would go is in this place where Jesus was going down to, and they would obviously be on the side with Abraham in His bosom being comforted. While the other people would be in torment. And the idea would be that those people on the one side with Abraham waited for the promise to be fulfilled. In Hebrews 11, it talks about those who... I don't know, do I have the verse? It talks about those who believe waiting for the promise. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. So like King David, Elisha, Elijah, right? Daniel, Ezekiel, talk about these guys. They never received the promised Messiah. They never received it because they were never alive for Him. But they still lived by faith when they died. So then what do you do? Jesus, with His grace, had to go down there and go get them and ascend back to their rightful place in heaven. And that's what the power of grace did. So it not only just changes us and covers us and... Paul uses it as a picture of, look how powerful this thing is. Like even after Jesus himself died, man, he went down into the earthly... Re- and where is that? I, I don't know. And how does that... I, I don't know. So the Bible says, though, and... I don't know. But it's down there. And if you translate the, wor- the word, you know, it, it means earth. So it's like, I, I don't know. It's down there somewhere, somehow. But he went down there, set them free, brought them back. Grace is relentless. It's relentless for those that love Him and for those that live by faith. And sometimes it doesn't feel that way. But man, if we spend some time in this Word and we, and we, and we learn about God and who He is, you just find, ah, this God is relentless just trying to passionately pursue those that love Him. So when we got those friends and family members and co-workers, it's like, they are just gone. I don't know, man. I don't know. There's a lot of gone stories walking around that are saved and redeemed and justified. They're out there. You won't see it on NBC News, but man, they're around. Many times you won't find unless you get in the church. So we'll skip on here. Verse 11. 
So now Paul switches again kind of a little bit. We're just trying to follow his train of thought here. He says it was He, Jesus, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. So God has gifted people in different ways. Now this is a short list. This is a short list. There's more. If you want to read it this week, I wrote it down for you. I didn't put it on the slide. 1 Corinthians 12. You can find more of a list as far as how people are gifted. And we're going to talk about why would you be gifted? What's the point of it? And is that like talents and abilities? We'll talk like that in a minute. So 1 Corinthians 12 and then also Romans 12. If you want to see like what kind of gifts God has gifted you with. Gifted me with. right? We're all gifted to some degree, shape, or form with spiritual gifts. And those are different than natural talents and abilities. And we'll, we'll see why right here. Verse 12. Here's why they're different. And also within this, we're going to see a little bit the purpose of the church. So verse 12. So pastors, teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. That's the idea of spiritual gifts. Is that when we're functioning, we're using them together, is to prepare God's people, us, other believers, for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. It's to build people up. It's to build the church up. So the point of a spiritual gift is that we all use it together to help build up our church. The church. That's why there's the need for the local church. Because then, and that's why there's a huge problem with the person that says, hey listen, you know, I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Or, you know, I, I kind, of, you know, kind of believe in Him. Well, the question that we talked about before is, can you be a legitimate really believer of Jesus Christ and then not go to church? And I don't see how you could. You really can't. If you're a genuine, bona fide, Bible-thumping believer... You're going to church because you understand that the reason to go to church is not to ask God to fix your problems and rearrange your life. The purpose to go to church is to say, God, how are you trying to make me more like Jesus? How can I walk into that? And then, how do you want to use me to help build up the other ones that are there? That's the part of church. That's the whole point of spiritual gifts. So we walk together, work together to build the church up. Right? That's the point. So sometimes you've got pastors, you know, teachers, evangelists, and you're going to see a bunch of other lists and people that can do different things. So it's really important to like, get a handle on, well, geez, how did the Lord like, kind of gift me? And you know, where can I plug in my part? Because it stinks when you've got to manage a whole bunch of believers and you've got maybe 80% of them hanging out, just showing up to show up. And it's like, oh, man. You know, you could be plugging in with your gifts and help building up the church here. People need you. They don't just need the pastor. They need you. Everybody has to be working together. Everybody has to be. And that's one encouraging thing, certainly about our church, is that there's a lot of hands involved doing a lot of things around here, which is very awesome. It's not always the case. Most, more times than not, it's not the case. 
people are owning it, saying, you know, this is my church. You know, C.C. Noggy is my home. You know, so-and-so in that pew, that's my sister, that's my brother. You know what I mean? And they're trying to serve and get into it. Which is great. It's really unhealthy um, when a church, especially church plants, it can be really difficult, um, is when maybe the pastor plays a large role in a lot of things and then Sunday morning and maybe other things get weird because people just show up to watch so-and-so serve God instead of them, man, just serving God and then just flowing into it. So we're looking for God to continue to take us to that place, right, where we can continue to grow together and build each other up. And I think while we're there, I wanted to also talk about one thing. Is that as we look at this here, we also see the primary purpose of the church. Primary purpose of the church is not evangelism. It's not humanitarian aid. It's not even to bring peace all over the world. Which I think a lot of people think that. The point of the church is just minimize conflict everywhere. So everybody just gets along and then then we're doing good. That's not even that's not even the whole point. Purpose of the church is not even to establish good biblical literacy. To make sure people understand the word really well. That's not even really the whole point. It's part of it. On that slide here, I can see people see it, right? The primary purpose of the church is to worship God, build up His saints, and fulfill the Great Commission. That's why I want to be here, and that's where, what it says in verse 12. Prepare God's people for works of service so that we can build up. So we come here to worship God, sing songs, hear the Word, pray for our brothers and sisters. Build up the saints. Encourage each other. Pray for each other. Stir one another in love. So this thing is like a bee's nest or a hornet's nest for the Lord. And we go out just stinging people. And with love, of course. Stinging people with love when we get out of here. We're like a hornet's nest all stirred up. Jesus and grace has just gotten a hold of me. And man, i got to share it with you. That's the idea of church. We stir one another on in love and in good works. Because of a good God who has loved us and given so much for us and has so much more prepared for us. And then fulfill the Great Commission. To go out, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And hopefully that group fulfilling of the Great Commission part becomes a little bit easier because they've just, the world has been experiencing the love that has been transforming our lives and heart through Jesus Christ. It becomes much easier then. It's a lot less intellectual at that point. It's much more reality. So let's finish up the passage and we'll close with a thought here. So it says, right, verse 12, I reread it. To prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. When are we going to attain to the whole measure and the fullness of Christ? Not in this lifetime. We're going we're gonna to keep getting there, right? God's going to continue to work through us. I mean, there's a lot to go, though. 
We're living in these fleshly bodies. There's a lot to go. Imagine when you can sit down in that pew and be like, I have attained all measure of the fullness of Jesus Christ. That's an awesome day. I want to sit next to you too when that happens because I want some of that to come over and osmosis to me. Alright, verse 14. Let's close this sucker up. This is a good word, right? Right? God is good. Verse 14, Then we will no longer be infants. This is huge. Tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every kind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. You know, we will not fall victim to just like the latest kind of good new idea that sort of just came up. Oh, but I heard so-and-so and it was so moving and, you know, so inspirational or I saw so-and-so do this and... Man, we're built up in our one church and we're built up in our local body with our one Lord and one faith and one baptism. You only get sucked into the other stuff. People tend to get sucked into the other stuff when they're kind of doing their own thing, floating around. When we're plugged into the body, my finger's like plugged into my hand. I can't go running around the room right now. That'd be weird, right? But can't do that. I just plugged in. When we're plugged in to the body, it's like... And then we realize, man, it's got to be plugged in. I need that blood. I need that life. I need that sustaining. And then we can't get sucked into the late night guy that says, Hey, listen, send me a couple hundred bucks. I send you this special oil. Use that stuff. Finances will overflow. Come on. Come on. No. That's not how it works. Verse 15, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into Him who is the head that is Christ. From Him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each does its work. That's a healthy church body. Just coming together. People praying for people. People learning with each other. People encouraging. People confessing. People getting wrecked by God. People losing it at church or maybe at an event. Like, that's a sign of a healthy church. I think it's unfortunate that sometimes the sign of a healthy church is the ones that have the white, clean gloves where everybody looks nice and holy. messy we're messy people we make messes and then we're called to join together under God and like learn what you know learn what's going on and trying to hear his voice and come together with each other and figure out where his word comes into play and maybe we won't have all the answers but we struggle with one another and we try and carry each other's burdens like that's the sign of the healthy church it was never the person that just shows up regularly on a Sunday morning and then leaves. So much more than that. So much more than that. One closing thought, and I have a picture. Um, the picture, right? You got this guy here protecting his family, right? Looking out for him, he's got his little umbrella there. I like the girl with the little like uh, thing at the bottom there. One tooth. So, right, we've got this protection issue going on here. And I show you that picture because 
the bulk of this chapter, and really a lot in Ephesians, has to do with spiritual unity. Coming together, unified under Christ. Not unified so that there's no conflict ever. We just make peace everywhere. We should be bringing peace, and blessed are the peacemakers. But Jesus also caused some, a lot of conflict and divisions. And even in one case, he got so radical to say, I didn't even come to bring peace. I came to bring the sword and to divide. What was he talking about? Well, it's like, within Jesus, that's where things divide. If there's an overarching sort of God and entity and being that's kind of there, that seems kind of inclusive for everybody and everything. And, but as soon as we focus in on Jesus, like that's where the line you know, gets drawn. Um, and in this day and age, as we can tell and see, that's, it's not real popular. Christians will get flack very quickly. Very quickly. And then you can just see what's developing you know, in the Middle East. and It's scary. And those are brothers and sisters. But, with that other stuff aside... Spiritual unity is not something that we just manufacture together. We help build into it. But it's not something we manufacture. It's something we already have in Christ. So we can't manufacture the unity part that we have. So as soon as somebody becomes born again, they accept Jesus Christ into their heart and into their life, you're in the family. Now, how are you going to act as a family member? Well, that's our choice. And we all know the rough family members, right, that make things difficult, you know. And, you know, we all got stories. But as soon as we're in Christ, we're already part of the family. What we need to do, though, as a church body, especially here locally, we'll get globally at some point, but for right now, the Lord is working on us locally. Locally, for us, what we're called to do is we need to protect and maintain the unity in our group and in our fellowship and in our surroundings. Because the enemy also knows these things. I mean, he's had a few thousand years of practice at least. Even the biggest buffoon can figure some things out after that. So he knows that there's real strength and power and people that are unified in spirit and in truth under Jesus Christ. I mean, there's already power in people that are just on the same page and unified. Really nothing to do with God. I mean, you just even look at sports and look at a team and it's like, man, we got team guys. Like, they win and they do well and they function well. We're not even putting Jesus in the mix yet. But then when you put the life-saving resurrection power of Jesus Christ into a group of people and He changes minds and thoughts and actually gets them to believe that the impossible is now possible. Can't stop that. Especially if they get a little bit of good news and their faith level gets increased a little bit and they start to believe for a little bit more. You can't stop it. You can't stop it. So we got to protect and maintain our unity. Right? Takes some work to be a good, healthy body. But it's something that we're called to do. And that's why Paul makes a special point of it. Hey, listen, this is important stuff. It's not going to come real natural. We have to work at it. Be diligent about it. So what we're going to do is we're going to stand and we're going to close in prayer together.
We're going to ask God to, to bless our church. To continue to build the unity in our church. And the fellowship. I think that's one, been one of the most exciting things I would say in the past like year and a half or so. Is just the way that the relationships and the unity has just been grown together. That's awesome. For a church plant, that's really difficult. Because for a church plant, you just get a lot of times people from different areas with different backgrounds and you know different experiences and maybe some hurts and maybe not hurts and some just curious and so you just get all these people different ages different places and but most people you know they like to stay kind of within their thing and they don't you know go out and yeah but it's awesome to see how God is continuing to do that you know in our group and um, we need protection of that and I think that we also want to grow more to have our church family be bigger and make more of an impact in our community. So we'll spend some time right now praying for that. So Father, I thank You, Lord. I thank You for Paul sharing with us the wisdom, Lord, and the unity, Lord, in our church with the big C, Father. I thank you that we all came the same way through Jesus Christ. That he is the head of our church. And I pray, Father, that at least here at our church, Lord, that anything that we say or do would bring glory to you and not to us. And Father, I thank you for the relationships that you've built and maintained, Lord, and in our church so far, God, and we ask that you would do more. And God, many times relationships get built and are sustained through heartache and heartbreak and through difficult trials in life. So I pray, God, that we wouldn't be the type of people that just then isolate ourselves when things get tough. Father, help us to just lean on each other, Lord. Send the text, send the email, make the phone calls to each other, Father. I pray, Lord, that we would truly be humble enough and vulnerable enough, Lord, to lean on our brothers and sisters. It's so important and it's so powerful. And I pray, God, that we would get a greater taste of it. And I know that when we do, God, it'll just draw us closer together, Lord. And may the enemy not be successful and dividing us with petty disagreements and minor offenses. Father, may we be able to look past those things. And even if they're major offenses, Lord, may we have enough maturity, Lord, to just handle things the right way, Father. And not use it as an excuse to go off and do the wrong thing. So God, I thank you Um, For this morning, Lord, may continue to do a work in our church body, Father, growing us closer together. And God, whoever um, continues to come to our church doors, may we just love on them, Lord, with that love and grace that has transformed our lives, Lord, and that's been given to us. May we extend that to others as well, Father. May that be what we're known for, not for anything else. I thank you for this morning, Father. I ask that you bless my brothers and sisters. May you make your face to shine upon us. May you give us peace, Lord. Some of us need some peace from you, Lord. May we go out and bring peace, Lord. 
Thank you for this morning, Father. And in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.